Ghent Wevelgem was ridiculous, the classics are in full swing, but in a nod to the absurdity of this being called a news show, we still have to cover last week's Volta a Catalunya. But hey, it's probably the last time I'll have to do this for a bit. Sky's Richie Port held on to win Catalunya. There. Industry standards, more or less. Just need to put up a results sheet somewhere. Okay, fine. Alejandro Valverde made it a little bit interesting with time bonuses, but just had too much ground to make up. I sure hope my ad returns justify the investment of resources in that. Speaking of justifying resources, the UCI put out a nice little recap report on Trofea Binda, won by Lizzie Armitstead to take over the World Cup lead. But it's also kind of a scheduling fail because it took her Bulls Dolman's team out of Gent-Wevelgem, and I feel like on the women's side it is totally possible to have all the top names compete in all the top races. Not that that should take anything away from the beautiful back-of-the-bunch jump that gave Florchimakai of Liv Plantor the solo win at Wevelgem. The men's Gent-Wevelgem I sort of already covered, and sort of didn't. It was one of those days that's simply amazing to watch, but a completely different story inside the peloton. An interview with Sky's Bernie Eisel at Ride Media definitely highlights both the badness of the day and the lunacy of asking 200 ultra-competitive dudes to sort of have a gentleman's agreement on not riding hard. Some insight, perhaps, into the difficulty of getting the same 200 dudes to, on the honor system, not do drugs. This year's Wevelgem was also some nice reinforcement for the UCI to keep working on their extreme conditions protocol. Though, obviously, the focus is still going to be on motors because Lakeep published an article on it calling it a ticking bomb. It would be nice to have an engineer who, say, specializes in small motors check out and report on the available small motor technology. But the thing is that the few off-the-shelf candidates for hidden motors and pro bikes are kind of expensive, as are engineers, and the ad impressions don't care one way or another if the content is any good. Exhibit A there would have to be B. King, who won a stage and led most of Criterium Internacional, if such a distinction is even relevant, over a three-day race, before eventually losing to Ajay Desaire's Jean-Christophe Perrault. So, what team does B. King ride for again? Ah, uh, it's not important, at least not according to the AP or NBCSN, the US rights holder. It's not like his teammates contributed to that effort or any sponsors paid money to be mentioned alongside his name. Elsewhere in three-day events, Katusha's Alexander Kristoff won most of the things at Depana. I guess he did miss out on the final time trial, thank you very much Sky's Brad Wiggins, and so had to settle with a mere 23-second win ahead of a resurgent stand of holder of Trek Factory Racing. Seems like he's coming back into form for the one event that has really defined his career, the Tour of Flanders. I go into this in the latest Recon Ride podcast in more detail, but for me, Flanders really is the biggest event in all of cycling. Sure, the Tour is the Tour and Roubaix is the queen of the classics, but Flanders is the one-day Super Bowl-esque party where everybody around the race actually knows what's going on. And yet, no US broadcaster is carrying it this year. I mean, no skin off my nose, I'll just watch the same way I always do, but big picture, this is a serious problem. I mean, teams seem to be under the impression that there's this endless flow of money from TV rights and other technological upstream sources. But no one seems to see a funding sustainability problem when there's literally no way for most of the people in the world's largest economy to legitimately watch a bike race. And I mean, even most of the people who could watch it here just don't. Granted, I think a ton of that falls on the shoulders of US broadcasters for bringing all the innovation of a mid-80s Chrysler to their coverage, 
but at the same time they're hamstrung by kind of idiotic rights agreements and they aren't getting a discount. Are US broadcasters just expected to lose money on cycling forever? I like to think that I've done a lot to make the sport more appealing, or at least to demystify why anyone would wake up at 6 in the morning to watch dudes in spandex chase each other around. But I'm also not alone. There are loads of young-ish, un- or poorly paid people making content and contributing innovative ideas to bike racing. Are we just like the sport's brand ambassadors? Maybe this is a self-call, but I like to think we're the sort of talent people want to attract. Certainly the invisible hand of the market, outside cycling of course, gave me a pretty solid fist bump on this last week. If the sport's going to sustainably draw the audiences the Tinkaws of the world plan on, it's going to have to put a lot more effort into retaining people with the creative instincts to do it. I'm Cosmo Catalano, and that was The Week in Bike.